Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands on my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb Offended. Yeah. I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi everyone, welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast where we revisit the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host Riley Annis and this is episode 35. I hope you've all had a wonderful week since last week. I hope you all enjoyed last week's episode. Um, it was really great talking to Danielle and getting to know all of those like intricacies and behind the scenes secrets of the pageant world so I hope you all uh, enjoyed that as well. I don't really have much to report on in terms of just like what's been going on since I last recorded. Um, I'm actually kind of, well, at at the risk of jinxing myself, I'm getting caught up slash like ahead on recording these podcast episodes because I have a lot going on this month and I'm going to be going home back to back these next two weekends, like home to South Carolina. So I don't, I can't record on the weekends like I normally do. So I am having to like get my notes done and record and do things on a weeknight which is not my mo usually I come home and I like burrito myself in a blanket and I veg and don't do anything but instead I've been like actually semi-productive in terms of just like cleaning and doing things after work isn't being an adult hard oh actually the one thing I do want to talk about not I don't really want to talk about this I just want to mention it I got a new microwave and I'm very excited about it because that's truly what it is to be an adult is when you get really like hype over your new appliances. And I've had that microwave since college and it was I, my mom's microwave before that. So I don't even know how long that original microwave was like floating around the family. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to have a new microwave. It's so clean and it's bigger than the old one and it's more powerful and it looks nicer. So that was my one exciting thing that happened in the past week. And it's fall. I guess the weather finally changed. It's finally getting cooler. So happy fall, you guys. I hope you all have a wonderful fall and you've been doing a lot of autumnal activities, especially if you live somewhere where you have like real fall and the leaves are changing and I don't know, go go to an orchard this weekend, all right? Go pick some apples or carve some pumpkins. Like do it for me. I want to do it myself. I just don't have time to because I'm driving to South Carolina every goddamn weekend this month. All right, so in honor of the fall and October, we're going back to our spooky theme. We took a slight departure uh, because I wanted to talk about toddlers and tiaras with Danielle, but we're back. We're talking about one of my personal favorite ghost shows. I fucking loved this show as a child, teen, whatever. So we're talking about Paranormal State. Um... I remember when this came out, like I remember watching the first season and just being so into it. This is like the type of show that I would specifically watch, like if it was airing on, I don't know, probably like a Thursday or a Friday night because I was 13 and like didn't have any other plans. So it's like I would clear my schedule, you know, I would clear my schedule for the Paranormal State <laughs> episode. And of course, whenever it was on, I would watch it. So I was really into it. Um, I didn't like stick with it. It ran for a few seasons. I definitely remember watching a few episodes from the first season, but I don't think I like stayed a hardcore fan. But oh, the other thing is I also had a crush. <laughs> I had a crush on 
Sergei. I'm going to call him Sergei because I know he's Ukrainian and that's my understanding of how to pronounce that name, like that Slavic name, but they call him Sergei a lot and I really don't think it's Sergei. I think it's Sergei. Okay, so I had a crush on him. I thought he was super cute. Um, going into the background on the show, there's not a ton of the background. A lot of the juicy stuff that I want to talk about is like in the where are they now, the after bit. Um, so there's not a ton here, but jumping right into it, uh, it aired on A&E from December 2007 to May 2011. I saw conflicting reports that it was either canceled or that Ryan and his team, the Paranormal Research Society, decided that they didn't want to like move forward and they just kind of wanted to like pursue their own different ventures and keeping uh keep filming the show but it ended in may of 2011 it was produced by four season productions international and go go lucky productions which interesting interestingly enough go go lucky productions also produced laguna beach um which i feel like explains a lot if I had maybe if I had known that when I was like 14 and watching this show I would have understood how fake it is but I really was like all in all in with it when I was first watching it and upon a rewatch I was like wow this is obviously obviously very fake so the show actually began filming in 2005 um Ryan was director of the Paranormal Research Society and the executive producer actually made him a producer on the show. I don't know really what drove that decision other than maybe, I guess, just because they wanted to film his club doing their activities. Um, so Ryan is Ryan Buell, I think his name is pronounced. Um, so he is, like I mentioned, like the founder of president, I guess, of the Paranormal Research Society, which was a ghost hunting, like, investigative society at Penn State. Uh, he experienced paranormal activity as a child he's never gone into detail publicly about what that is he says that that's like something for him it's you know it's like fucking mariah carey's piano <laughs> did you guys listen to my episode on i totally paused where mariah carey wouldn't show us her marilyn monroe piano on cribs um it's like that i hate when people have that shit where they're like it's really for me so this is like something personal it's like okay fine if you have that but like don't bring it up and then like specifically say that it's for you <laughs> anyway um so I just want to give the background on like what paranormal state is about what that research society what PRS is uh before I go into everything because not everyone was a super fan like me I have to remind myself um, so, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, this show is really fake. <laughs> like, I had no clue how fake it was as a kid. I really thought that it was, like, a real show. Like, I really thought that they were, like, really experiencing a lot of paranormal activity. That's why I liked it so much, is because something happens in every episode, as opposed to Ghost Hunters, where they, like, you know, have all of these scientific procedures where they're, like, ruling things out, and ultimately, like, nothing ever happens. <laughs> um, but... So yeah, it's it's obviously very fake, and the co-executive producer even admitted as much. Uh, she had an interview with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, um, and she said that 
the story arcs are outlined for each like quote unquote character in the show um and they say that they have like information that they might not give to the prs team but they do need to make sure the show is producible and like obviously can be edited to form a cohesive storyline where something like interesting happens also this show is only a half hour which means it's only like 20 minutes of actual show happening and like something happens in every single episode like they experience some kind of paranormal activity in every single episode which is wild because it's like not even an hour-long show they really just pack that shit in um also the production team had publicly expressed interest like that or hope that uh ryan would develop a romantic relationship with one of the women on the team but that ultimately never happened and they obviously didn't like push him into it they didn't like script that in um but that was definitely something that they were interested in to like add into the show as another kind of story arc that never really happened So another thing that I thought was kind of funny, uh, one of the former contestants who, plot twist, turns out to be a medium herself. So this is like the medium versus the people who are fake mediums. (laughs) So the real, alleged real medium who was a contestant on the show, um, basically she spoke out about it being a hoax, just saying that the psychic that they brought in, the, the medium that they brought in, who I will be going on a lot about because I love him, his name is Chip Coffey. Uh, they said she said that he was supplied with background information ahead of time like sightings of like the dark figures that she saw had been staged and it was just like a crew member walking past a window and she had to like pretend that it was actually the ghost that she had seen uh, so it's just kind of funny that she spoke out about it against it too so that's basically it in terms of the background i couldn't find a ton of other like fun facts or anything other than just people being like 15 times this show was obviously fake which i feel like that would just be beating the dead horse at this point so we'll go into the recap itself so this episode specifically why i chose this episode i watched all of season one which on the a and e app is 19 episodes so I really powered through that, you guys. I also watched most of season two. So I watched, you know, a good chunk of it to give myself like a good feel for like how the show works. Um, I was pet sitting at my friend's house, like pet sitting, house sitting at my friend's house last weekend while she was out of town. Um, and so I just like sat there for like seven hours and watched Paranormal State nonstop all day long. And it was great. So I watched a bunch of it. I figured I would do something from the first season um, because you know that's just like what I remembered like what I had watched but I specifically wanted to do an episode that had two people in particular in it the first is someone I mentioned earlier Chip Coffey who is a psychic slash medium or a psychic medium as they call him like they don't say the slash um he's obviously been accused of like faking stuff like that happens when you're a medium I mean knowing what I know about this show I'm sure he is a fake medium but it's just like there's just something about him that I find very endearing I always say that he reminds me a lot of I don't know why but for some reason he reminds me a lot this is like a weird reference no one's gonna get this Sir Anthony Hopkins in Hearts in Atlantis I was obsessed with that movie as a kid I don't know why it's not a child's movie at all there are kids in it but it's like very much like adult themes (laughs) anyway he just like kind of has the same look and he's just like a more flamboyant version of that character almost so it really tickles me so I wanted to 
do an episode that had Chip in it. Also, his name is Chip Coffee. Like, that kills me. It's like, it sounds like a drink that you could get at, like, your indie coffee shop. It's like, can I get a Chip Coffee with, like, mocha java chip? (laughs) Anyway, I want to talk about that with him. But the big reason I wanted to talk about one of these episodes that had this other person that they bring in. They literally bring in multiple times throughout the series Lorraine fucking Warren. Now, if you don't know who Lorraine Warren is, that means you're probably not like in the world of like paranormal shit, ghost huntery shit. I'm like not super in that world. I don't like horror movies, but I've always been fascinated by like ghost hunting and like that sort of stuff. So, and also like I listen to like spooky podcasts, like and that's why we drink and things like that. Lorraine Warren and her husband who passed away prior to this being filmed um ed they were they are were i guess i don't know demonologists uh, demonologists like exorcists uh they are most famous for the amityville horror haunting which to my knowledge has proven to be a hoax <laughs> like right that's a hoax they were also involved in this other haunting that i think was like in england and i'm pretty sure that was the basis for the conjuring movie Um, I think they had to do with like Annabelle the doll which is like a really creepy story but that's really interesting. I think they're the ones who are like brought in or they were um, God what's that word? You know when they like bring in an expert. I don't know what I'm trying to say but you know they were like brought in the experts on like the demon doll. So like that's what they're known for but like they're obviously very like highly controversial people subjects just because most of these things have been proven to be a hoax right like Amityville is a big one uh I don't know about Annabelle I don't know about like that British the conjuring or whatever but it's just it's one of those things where it's like if you believe then you believe that they're like legit like if you believe in it then they are like at the top of their field like they are the demonologists to get if you have shit going down so honestly that's why it was kind of shocking to just see Lorraine Warren show up because like I don't necessarily believe in her that's I don't know that's kind of why it's interesting to me I guess that's why I'm into like paranormal shit in general is because I really can't decide if I believe in it or not like it really disturbs me like it really creeps me out and I would always scare myself as a child like watching this stuff and thinking about it and like not being able to fall asleep and having to like go snuggle with someone (laughs) to be able to sleep because I got scared um but at the same time like I don't know it's like I kind of believe in it obviously I believe in it enough to get scared but at the same time like I don't really believe in it it's hard to explain that's how I feel about everything I'm like agnostic about everything in my life basically I can't decide what I believe but so it's like I have a lot of not necessarily respect for Lorraine Warren but like her presence does hold a lot of weight in the fact that I just know that she's like a big big in her field I know I already said that but like you know she's the top of her field so the fact that she just shows up on this show that's like this college kids alleged college kids I think he probably had graduated Penn State by the time this actually made it to air um you know this like young person's investigation like I was just like wow that's like kind of surprising so all that makes sense I don't know I feel like maybe I just (laughs) spent a lot of time talking in circles and trying to explain something that maybe wasn't very articulate but basically even though I don't necessarily like 
respect or believe that Lorraine Warren is a legitimate demonologist or psychic or whatever she claims to be, I still recognize that if you do believe in that, she holds a lot of weight, gravitas, if you will. So that's why I wanted to do an episode that had both Chip Coffee and Lorraine Warren. Moving on. <laughs> so this episode is from season one. It's season one, episode 16. It's called The Asylum. And it originally aired February 25th, 2008. So I would have been in eighth grade. Rough year. <laughs> Rough time for me, the end of eighth grade. So yeah, not great. <laughs> so the, ep- the uh, episode starts with like a dark screen, a black screen, and we have these like words that come up. This is the beginning of every episode. It says, these are the real stories of Penn State's Paranormal Research Society. Each year, PRS receives hundreds of reports of paranormal activity, only responding to the most severe. This is one of those cases. It's so dramatic, and it's so funny, like, knowing what I know now about how fake it all is. Um, Because they probably don't get any cases. Hundreds, they probably get, like, a dozen. I'm just picturing, like, fucking Encyclopedia Brown. You know, like, this is not a real thing. I'm sure everything was brought to them by A&E. So we get the opening theme, and in the opening theme, Ryan explains uh, how he had his paranormal experience as a child, and it left him searching for answers, Um, but of course he never tells us what happened. Uh, They also show the different members of the cast at this point, so there's a few people. There's Heather, Katrina, I think Heather is the documentarian, Katrina is what's called a trainee, (laughs) they don't really go into that a lot. Sergey is the tech specialist, um, and then there's Elfie, who is the occult specialist. We learn in another episode that um, she is the occult specialist because she is a third-generation pagan. I'm not doubting that anyone is a third-generation pagan. Like, there are obviously pagan people out there who have children and, like, raise their children within their religion. But I was, like, watching this with my friend. Uh, He was over at uh Kelsey's house (laughs) as we were like hanging out together watching this we were talking about it and we both agreed that no one it seems like that's paganism does not seem the type of thing that you're born into and like that you're born into as a third generation member of it seems like the type of thing that you convert to when you're like 17 and angsty um but she that's why she is the occult specialist is just because of her pagan background um and I always think that's funny So we start with the case briefing. Um, We are in Wallard, New York. So we're outside of Penn State, obviously, State College, Pennsylvania. Ryan explains that they've been contacted by, oh gosh, they are not in Wallard. I mistyped it. They're in Willard (laughs) because they've been contacted by the Willard Drug Drug Treatment Center. Um, It used to be one of New York State's mental institutions. He says that the staff members are reporting disturbing activity at night. They don't want to stay on the grounds. Uh, he also says, this is like really kind of awkward the way he words it. He says, now remember, mental health rights didn't go into effect until much later. Uh, basically saying that there probably are like unhappy spirits, like angry spirits that are stuck to this place because of the life that they lived while they were there. So it's investigation day one. Um, we have what are like, you know, just little like labels on the bottom of the screen that says like you know investigation day one and tour of the Willard drug treatment facility 
but it has little time stamps of when everything is taking place and everything always has an extremely specific time. So it's at 10.46 a.m. They're taking their tour. Um, they're given their tour by Melvin Williams, who is a Willard superintendent. It, he basically just explains like what this is, what the uh, history of the building is. So it's now a 90-day drug treatment facility, but originally the building was built, or I guess like the very first, like the original building on the grounds was built in 1860. Dr. Willard, who obviously this place is named after, he was a psychiatrist who went to the New York State Legislature and asked basically if they could become an insane insane asylum. I don't know why you have to like go to the New York State Legislature and ask permission. I guess if it's like a state-run insane asylum and you have like you're like hey I have the building you want to put some people in here you do that but the kicker is he actually died of a heart attack then and there on the state legislature floor while he was talking to them. So that you know of course bodes well for what was to come of this place. This is really out of context, but Melvin says that the first patient was a woman in 1866 who was naked in a cage. It just seems that's not like she didn't come in naked in the cage. Like she got there and she was stripped and put in the cage, I'm assuming. It was just weird the way he said that. He wasn't like, oh, a woman who had like schizophrenia or like she was suffering from like hallucinations. It was just like a woman naked in a cage. Um, Eventually there were... 3,500 patients there, um, and then he shows them a dormitory wing that was where the patients would originally stay. Now he says it's a dormitory where the sergeants stay, which seems uh, like a bad idea. Like, ooh, just, of course there are ghosts there. (laughs) Just, of course, don't put people, don't make people sleep in the place where the tortured people slept. And he explains that, Two months ago, two sergeants reported seeing a woman who was screaming at them in the room. Uh, They packed up and they left the next day and didn't ever come back. So, obviously the staff are disturbed by what's going on here. So next, the team interviews some of the Willard employees. By the way, 12.39 a.m. p.m. a.m. God, what's wrong with me? 12.39 p.m. I know we all wanted to know. The first staff member they interview is Michael LePage. Um, He tells... Uh, Katrina one of the PRS people that when he first started working there in one of the classrooms he was like teaching or doing something in there he heard a noise so he walked out of the classroom and he saw like a slender woman standing in the hallway and she screamed at him obviously she wasn't someone who was like supposed to be there she was like someone who wasn't there or like hadn't been there previously Next, they talked to Lisa Bordeaux, who says that she was in the rec room. Uh, She was watching the news, and she felt that someone was, like, standing over her shoulder. She heard the lock click in the door, but no one was there. And this turns out to have just been, like, within the past week that that happened. So that's pretty creepy. They talked to Chris Carroll, who is a former nurse. Um, She basically just says, like, oh, if these walls could talk, like, the stories that it would tell of all of these sad, sad souls that lived here. Ryan asked her if there were ever any suicide cases. She says yes, and also that people drowned in the lake that was on the grounds as well. Then they talked to Eugene Carroll, who is presumably her husband. It's never explicitly said, but they have the same last name. Um, And he tells of a story who there was like a young woman who had been depressed and she went missing. 
Um, they did a ground search for her, and he was the one who ended up finding her, and she had hung herself in a back building. Um, so it's really sad. Uh, they just kind of, you know, have these stories from these former employees, either of the things that they experienced while they were working there or of the, like, paranormal activity that they've dealt with since the um, institution has changed from being an insane asylum to being a drug treatment facility. So then they go to the on-ground cemetery. Oh yeah, it's always a good sign when there's an on-ground cemetery. Um, it's basically, it's just this field because it's all patients that are buried there, but it, they're all in unmarked graves. Um, I think they assess that it's five, they say that it's 5,000 people buried there, which seems like a really big number. So I'm not sure if that's true or not, but who knows. Ryan asked if they were ever given any sort of proper memorial service or if they were just like dumped there. Um, and Melvin says that he doesn't know because he wasn't there. Melvin is very, he's Mr. Pack, the pass the buck. He just like, well, like there's another time later on where he's like, I don't know. That's, I've never heard anything about it. Um, so yeah, he's like, I don't know. I wasn't there. But um, he does say that these were unwanted people, basically implying that probably not. There was no any kind of like respectful service for that. So finally, my boy, Chip Coffee arrives. He's a psychic medium, as they say. Um, whenever Chip Coffee is called into an investigation, which is like a lot of episodes, almost every single episode I think has Chip Coffee. Ryan always makes sure to ask him. He's like, I haven't told you anything, have I? And Chip's like, nope, you've told me nothing. Um, which we now know is a lie. If Ryan hasn't told him anything, then production surely has. Um, so Ryan says that he's going to take him throughout the whole building. Chip immediately asks if this place was a mental facility. He, he senses it, you know. Um, and he walks into another room and he groans. He says that there's such like overwhelming anger and sadness in the building. And then in another room, he says that he's like getting yelled at and he just gets like so overwhelmed by like the voices that he like has to put his hands over his ears, his ears and say, stop, stop. Um, he says that he has to get him to stop and that he's getting yelled at all over the place. Uh, Ryan asks what they're saying and Chip tells him they're saying, let me out. So Ryan asks like, oh, so there are active spirits here and Chip says, absolutely there are. Um, he also says that there are people there who died that shouldn't have died and says this was a dumping ground. I think that those last two lines, the people died that shouldn't have died and this was a dumping ground, seem really generic. <laughs> just like he wanted, it just is anything that you could kind of add in there that would fit for most investigations that they're doing. In another room, um, Chip says that he's picking up a woman's spirit, she says that she's active in the building. So he says that this is a nurse uh, and that she's almost like a guardian sort of figure for all of the spirits who are there. Um, that she's come back to help the others in the building like try to leave, try to get unattached or whatever. He says that the ones who are trapped there are ready to go. So next it's investigation day two, 10, 17 a.m. Ryan and the rest of the PRS team are assembled. Um, so Ryan says that he feels for these people meaning like the spirits just kind of debriefing uh i guess from what chip had gone over with him the previous night so then we get um the our first director's log voiceover 
So these are these really corny voice recordings that Ryan does. Like we see him walking around occasionally with his little like voice recorder, like making notes to himself. And then they like have these like voiceovers where he's like director's log, blah, 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 blah. But they put this cheesy filter over it where so his voice sounds kind of like electronic y and distorted. And, you know, back then I was like on board with it. But watching it now, that was just one of the things where I was just like, this is so edited. It's so fake. So his voiceover says that because there are so many spirits there that need their help, they're going to try something they've never tried before. It's a controversial new tool called Frank's Box. It's also been called a telephone to the dead. So this Frank's Box device is what I believe is also referred to as a spirit box, where it's just like a bunch of kind of random static and like clips of radio and just like little like burp, 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 burp. and then like you ask a question and it supposedly like well an answer will come out so we're introduced to christopher moon who is the operator of the frank's box that they're using this is not me trying to be mean this is just me trying to give an accurate description of what this man looks like but my first gut reaction was that he looks a lot like the comic book guy from the simpsons not that he has that really irritating personality but just he had the long hair and the goatee (laughs) um so ryan asks christopher to explain to everyone how it works he says that it runs and i think this is what i just tried to explain does this make more sense to anyone i don't know he says that it runs on rvg random voltage generator it pulls white noise pink noise and radio fragments and runs it through an echo box in the unit and then the spirit's voices come out through the box so as to speak to them my first question is what is pink noise my second question is what is an echo box and my third question is how do spirits have voices (laughs) Um, so they're doing their Frank's box session. It's 9.36 p.m. What's kind of funny is when I was doing the research on, you know, looking for like fun facts or stuff to add in the background, one of the things that I saw, and this is just on the listicle that was like 15 times this show was really fake. Um, it said that like it's very obviously not nighttime when they're filming and sometimes you can see like the sun peeking out from behind the curtain. I was not observant enough to notice this, but I feel like this might have been one of those times. Like, I can't tell you for sure, but I remember watching it and just feeling like it wasn't as late as the timing said it was. So they turn on the Frank's box. Like, it just has, you know, like random electronic static coming out of it. And they, Christopher asked how many spirits they have with them. Um, there's like a little electronic noise coming out from the box. It's like, burp, burp, burp. Um, and Christopher says there were seven here. So it does kind of sound, I guess, sort of like what it said that he said it said. What? <laughs> I don't know. But you know, like the human brain makes patterns out of random noise. And that's like very much what it could have been. Um, so Ryan asks for the spirits' names. Um, Lucy, like very clearly, it does sound like Lucy comes out of the spirit box, Frank's box, whatever the fuck. I'm gonna call it a spirit box. And then Ryan asks if there's anything else there, and the box makes a little sound, like it just makes like a little like burp, like you can't hear anything. And um, Christopher says like, "Demon, there's a demon, a strong demon. Like how do you know that it's a strong demon even?" But the music, it's all dramatic at that, of course. 
So Ryan asks if the demon is what's holding them back. Um, he can't hear anything but static coming out of the goddamn box, but Christopher says yes, yes. He says that Lucy's speaking for all of them, which, how do you know? Again, how do you know based off of these one-word answers we're getting from this box? Then he says that Lucy is begging them to go down into the basement. Which, again, you don't ever hear this. Like, how does he know that Lucy is saying this? It'd be one thing if it was Chip Coffee, who supposedly is a psychic. Like, this is just a guy with a box. So Ryan says, like, what if this is a trap? And Christopher says that there's no way to be sure. And then they all go into the basement. So I guess it doesn't fucking matter if it's a trap or not. What's the point of asking? Um... They wind their way like the basement is of course like very fucking creepy it's got all of these like rooms and hallways and it's basically a maze so they're like winding their way through the maze they're talking to lucy but she i guess i guess is not answering through the box i can't fucking tell what the difference is between her answering and her not answering but apparently she's not answering um someone i think maybe it's ryan says that they've got a bad feeling down there Oh, Chip was there. Maybe he <laughs> maybe he was the one who said they should go downstairs. I feel like it was the box guy, but Chip is there. Uh, he's holding up his crucifix, and then he also mentions that he has holy water in his pocket because they might need it. Um, at one point, Christopher calls them over and says that he, he got, he's like, I got a shadow uh, darting across that room. It's like, I guess he just saw the shadow like in a dark room. Um, he says that, like it went through a wall into another room uh, and then Chip says that he know where he knows where it's at like he's like oh I know where it went and he like takes off running they all follow him um, he leads them into one room and then Chip says that he wants to see what's on the other side of that room they're still trying to communicate with Lucy but the demon is blocking her apparently that's what Christopher says so nothing's coming through so Chip is like, he has his little holy water, which is in like a convenient mister. <laughs> and he's just misting the holy water all around. And so Christopher says that the box said, stop that fucking spraying. Which is very creepy, uh, but I didn't hear what the box said. Didn't sound like that to me, so who knows. But even though the box told him to stop that fucking spraying, Chip continues to spray the holy water. Uh, but then Christopher says that it's not, it's not good and chip agrees that they need to get out of there so they turn off the box and head out um it's kind of funny because like again this is all so much build up that makes it it makes it seem like something's happening and that's how they do it that's how they make the it seem like some sort of paranormal activity happens in each episode but like really there was like no payoff there like this guy says that he saw a shadow and chip's like i know where it went and like goes into another room and then like literally nothing comes of that it's the show is so good at that like I didn't notice it until I binge watched like a season and a half within a day but yeah they're really good at like building the tension and making it seem like something's happening when really nothing is happening at all so then we get a little label it says it's the PRS regroup at 1 14 a.m Katrina asks Ryan's opinion on the box I guess they're not they weren't sold on the box before they like didn't think that it was like maybe wasn't a legitimate piece of technology um so he says that he's not sure but when he can hear it clearly it does sound like it's answering them um and sergey kind of chimes in and says yeah that's why like why isn't it giving you like a random 
answer is actually saying something like it's giving you a number when you're asking for a number. So they isolate a part of the recording where the, the spirit box was answering them and they play it back. Um, and they all agree that it sounds like it's saying there were seven. But this is after that guy had said it said there were seven. So they were already primed to hear it. Um, and then Ryan asks Josh, who's like the other tech guy, but he's like also not very important. So I don't think he's mentioned in the opening credits and he's only there sometimes and I didn't add him to the where are they now because I don't give a fuck. So Josh asks Ryan, no, Ryan asks Josh. <laughs> Ryan asks Josh his opinion on it. Um, Josh says that he was skeptical at first, but there are some clips that are very clear and he can't discount them. So then they say that they want to try and verify the names to see if it matches up. Maybe that there's like some record of a Lucy who worked there as a nurse. Um, and then we get like some shots of Sergey and Josh looking through old files in an archive room or something. I guess just checking every piece of paper in this room for anything that says the name Lucy on it and just going from there. I don't know their strategy on this, but you go guys. And then it just cuts to investigation day three. Uh, I guess Ryan is meeting with Melvin, who, again, is the superintendent of the drug treatment facility, just to discuss what was happening, what happened on their first overnight. Um, so Melvin asks him what he experienced, and Ryan tells him about, like, the spirit of Lucy. Melvin says that Lucy is actually a name that is known on the compound, and people have talked about her before. So here's something that's kind of interesting. Um, Ryan specifically says to Melvin, he says, yeah, the psychic picked up on Lucy and the box picked up on Lucy. But I don't remember Chip ever mentioning Lucy or saying the name Lucy. I mean, I guess he did say that thing about like, there is like a nurse who's here to help them. But he never, he never said the name Lucy. He never got the name Lucy. So I feel like it's kind of disingenuous for Ryan to say here. Like he picked up on Lucy in the box, but picked up on Lucy as well. Ryan asks Melvin if Lucy had been a nurse there. Um, and he says that he doesn't know anything about her, just her name. <laughs> and Ryan asks, this is the other part where Melvin kind of passes the buck. Ryan's like, well, what do people say about her? And Melvin just goes, that she's a ghost. <laughs> it really got me. It really got me good. Uh, so then we get some interesting editing here. I definitely noticed this. Um, Ryan meets with Chris Carroll again, um, but they're all wearing the same clothes as what they had been wearing previously. So obviously this was all just taken in one meeting. Um, and so he's asking her about, um, the name Lucy. Like he says, do you, do you know, have you ever worked with someone there who's named Lucy? So that means that her staff interview happened after, the night that this Lucy investigation happened and not on the first day of the staff interviews like it claimed just something I caught so yes Ryan asks if she knows anyone named Lucy who would work there she says that probably like she worked there for 37 years she says so she probably like knew someone named Lucy like there was a name someone named Lucy who worked in that building but she couldn't think of anyone specifically and Ryan asked her if she got to know a lot of patients. Um, she says that she did have a lot of patient friends and that it was difficult, just, you know, mental illness is difficult for the people who have it and then for the ones who have to watch their loved ones go through it as well. So we get another director's log voiceover. 
And they say that so far they've been unable to confirm the identity of Lucy, but because of the possibility of her and the others being trapped there by a demonic entity, he's invited Lorraine Warren to join the investigation. Woo woo woo, motherfuckers! Lorraine Warren is on the scene! So she gets there that night. Her Chiron says demonologist. She is ready to fucking go. Um, even though I think that Lorraine Warren is probably a fraud and I don't know if she's necessarily like hurt more people or helped more people in her life. It's one of those things where it's like, do you think that you're like giving these people closure or you're lying to them and like making them believe in something that like isn't necessarily existing or but if they are experiencing some kind of like distress, be it psychological or environmental or something is happening and you come in and you do something that to them alleviates the problem have you actually helped them i don't know it's a whole thing about psychics and mediums and all that shit if you don't believe that what they're doing is actually real despite all of that i think lorraine warren is really cute whenever she comes on the show uh she always has like a bun and then she has like a little ribbon or something on the back of her bun like sticking out on the bottom or something and i always think it's adorable she also calls people honey, and she just seems like a sweet lady. So um, Lorraine arrives. She and Ryan walk, and like they walk into the building together, and she immediately is just like, "Oh, honey, oh no, oh god, oh help us! This is awful in here, honey." Uh, so it says that she feels like there are people in there actually calling out for help, um, and she also feels some sort of demon type thing, and that the humans just basically says that the human uh, spirits can't escape because of the demon things that are there. So next they do dead time at 3 a.m. Um, dead time is something that happens in like pretty much every single episode of Paranormal State. It's Ryan's version of a seance that isn't a seance because I guess like they're not conjuring or summoning anything that isn't already there. They're just trying to like make contact with it. Um, but so they call it dead time and they like do it at 3 a.m. because that's like when the veil between one world and the other is the thinnest so uh we get a voiceover where he explains that they're going to be splitting into teams for dead time one team will be in the basement tech headquarters will be in an old classroom so that's josh and sergey and then chip lorraine and ryan are all going to be in an old patient room together so they begin ryan asks chip if there's any spirit who wants to communicate and chip says that he's going to ask lucy specifically to come in to him or like to come to him and see if they can get any information um chip will do i guess channeling i don't know if that's what you would call it here but i don't know i guess he's channeling uh he starts to just kind of like make these strange facial expressions and kind of just like rolls his neck and just isn't acting acting right that boy ain't acting right um so then the other team in the basement asks they're just like doing a regular seance seance dead time whatever the fuck you want to call it um so they ask what the spirit's name they ask like what they at the institution did to them lp says that they're not there to do them any harm um and then begins begins to ask for like a sign or says like you know can you show us you know give us a sign without doing us any harm but mid-sentence she hears a thump uh katrina says that it sounds like a thud upstairs so they're a little bit freaked out by that um, back with Chip upstairs with Ryan, Chip, and Lorraine. Chip is saying that she, as in Lucy the spirit, I guess, keeps moving very close and like making contact with him, but she's not fully investing. 
we cut back down to the basement. Um, the team hears another thump. Josh says that he hears a woman talking. Oh, I guess Josh is down there with them. Uh, and Katrina says that it sounds like a woman. So they call Sergey and ask him if there's anyone like walking around on the floor above him because he has cameras. He says no. And then back with Chip and Ryan. Chip is grabbing at his throat. Ryan is asking him what's wrong and he says that he's choking her. Um, Ryan asks who's he and Chip just says you know which is creepy. Um, and then Ryan says he's not a person is he? And Chip shakes his head and says no. So then Ryan asks, what's the name of the spirit near Chip now? And Chip yells, fuck you, at Ryan. Uh, and then he's like, Lorraine. Um, and so Chip just asks, like, do you want to break out of this? And he says yes. And I guess they, like, break contact or in the channeling or whatever he was doing. So I guess, like, it was implied that, like, the demon had control over him for a second. That's why he's, like, yelled, fuck you, at Ryan. So he says that something nasty came up to him. Um... Then, <laughs> then he makes this bold fucking assertion and says that Lucy died trying to protect the people that were there. Which is funny because they just established, like, or he said earlier that they, they did not establish that, like, Lucy was anyone who had ever worked there. So they're just, like, piling on to this story that at this point has no legs. Um... Ryan says, I guess to the spirits uh, that they can get out, they just have to be strong and determined and ask for help, which sure as fuck sounds like some Republican pull yourself up by your bootstraps bullshit. So Chip suggests that the entire PRS team makes a circle of energy and draw the spirits in and like send them up into the vortex or whatever mystical bullshit. Uh, yeah, Chip says that he knows how to do this. They have sort of shown this in a few episodes before. They don't really go into a lot of detail, I guess, about what they're doing. But I guess this is their version of how they can, like, release whatever spirits are trapped in whatever place that is being haunted. So Elfie's downstairs and she tells the spirits on the lower levels to, like, move upstairs to Ryan. Because they have, I guess you have to herd them like they're sheep. And then Ryan and the rest of the team say a prayer. Uh, it's like they invoke Michael, the archangel. All of the, <laughs> it's kind of interesting, but like all of the stuff that they do whenever they're doing like rituals or they're saying prayers or chanting or what, what have you is always invoking a lot of Christian imagery, which is interesting to me because one, Elfie is the occultist specialist specifically because she's a pagan, not Christian, but literally even she did some ritual in one of the early episodes where she's like invoking the names of all of the like angels and shit um and two in a little bit we'll see some a moment where they just basically acknowledge that there are faiths other than christianity but it's just like always weird to me that like is that the go-to like is that just the go-to because like that's sort of the american default religion for like exorcisms and things like that <laughs> like what happens if there's a demon haunting or like possessing someone in like uh tibet or something like where they're all buddhist monks can they exercise them with buddhism or is it like distinctly a christian problem where it's like only christians get plagued by demons because there aren't demons in buddhism here are the philosophical questions that i wonder while thinking about paranormal state <laughs> 
So they do their chant. Um, while they chant, the camera just shows random shots of like the hallways and the tech team and not like, we're not actually seeing them like make the circle and do the chant and do anything visually interesting. Um, and then Ryan says that if they want to leave, they're free to go. There's a door there now and the spirits are released, I guess. So then we get another voiceover director's log. Uh, tonight will mark a new era for Willard, an era of healing. Um, so he goes on to say that they're asking this like surviving friends and family members of the patients who died there. And then just like I guess other local community members to join them in a ceremony on the cemetery grounds. So a bunch of people do turn out for that. Probably because they were being filmed. Um, and Ryan explains that they're honoring the men and women who died at Willard and they hold like a, memori a memorial ceremony, which is great. And so this is where we have like the several different faith leaders speak. There's obviously a priest there, but it's also there's a rabbi uh, or just some kind of Jewish faith leader. She's a woman. I don't know if she's a rabbi. Um, and then what looks to be a Muslim imam. Is that what they're called? But like, you know, the Muslim faith leaders. So like they have well, the big three represented at least. Uh, but it's just, again, why do they, why is everything that they do christianity based when obviously like they recognize that probably some of these spirits weren't necessarily christians so we get the final director's log um ryan says that he hopes that the work that they've done there means the spirits that the spirits can move on but that prs's mission continues so another thing that's kind of funny about uh paranormal state is that we always get a little like where are they now update at the end of each episode where it's like basically it always says like they haven't experienced any paranormal activity since the prs team has been there because the prs team can always solve the problem in every single episode um so it just says that the grounds of the willard have remained calm since the investigation and then we get this weird other one i almost wonder if this episode was designed to be like an original like season finale or something because they really like wrap it up in a nice little bow here because um, the next little line that we get on screen says PRS now receives more cases than ever. They remain committed to their mission statement to trust, honor, and always seek the truth. And then that's it. Like that just seems like the way that you would end like a season finale or something like that. Like this is the end of the first season and our team receives more cases than ever, but we're still committed to our mission. But then that's the end of the episode. Uh, so now we get to go into the where are they now. And I am really excited. Um, so starting with the most interesting and like the juicy bits, Ryan, obviously. So after the show or while it was still airing, I guess, um, he was an executive producer for the film American Ghost Hunter, which was released in 2010. Also released in 2010 was his memoir called Paranormal State, My Journey into the Unknown. Um, something that's kind of interesting about that is he actually comes out as bisexual in that book. So, you know, fellow bi. Uh, and he kind of talks about how he's like reconciled his faith because he is a Catholic and he still like is uh, a person of faith. Um, how he reconciles that with his sexuality and says that like he's not going to change and he expects the Catholic Church to change for him, which is like great. Like I love that. So here's where it gets real juicy. Um, in 2012, he claimed to have pancreatic cancer. Um, and, and then obviously, like, he still had done, like, speaking engagements and things like that. So he canceled all of those tours 
to recover and heal. Um, later that year, he said that he was like nearing remission and he was on track. Um, also, apparently during this time, pictures of him riding a jet ski in the Bahamas surface. But, you know, that could could be a coincidence or it's like if someone is healing or if they're feeling well, like who's to say that like a cancer patient can't enjoy themselves on a day that they like are feeling good. So I guess he claimed to be in remission. Um, so in 2014, he began selling tickets for the Conversations with the Dead tour. These shows were eventually indefinitely postponed, um, and then many customers never received any refunds or like any updates on the status of the show at all. So Chip Coffee was actually attached to this tour, and he uh, claimed that the ticket sales had exceeded $80,000, um, and that he had been like in charge of helping to plan the shows and everything, but he learned that uh, Ryan had not actually booked any venues for any of the shows. So kind of a little bit of a Caroline Calloway moment there. <laughs> Does anyone is anyone following the Caroline Calloway drama? I got into it via Liz Bentley uh, on her like bonus episode about it, but man, that was some shit going on in September. So. I almost I really wanted to like record a bonus episode about it and like release it myself and just say like I've fallen into the rabbit hole and like Caroline Calloway but then like her dad died and I didn't want to like talk about her but then she started on her antics again so now I kind of want to do um anyway it just like she had this whole thing where she sold a bunch of tickets for this like creativity workshop tour she was gonna do and she had not booked any venues for any of them um, including one that was supposed to be in Atlanta over Super Bowl weekend and she like never she like hadn't booked a venue for it and people were like messaging her and being like hey so like I'm super excited for your tour um, I really really want to go to this workshop by the way uh, you're not going to be able to get a, a place in no in uh, Atlanta over Super Bowl weekend so what you gonna do about that but anyway, Ryan pulled a Caroline, or I guess Caroline pulled a Ryan since he uh, originated the scam. Um, also, after this whole shit went down with pulling out of the tour and like absconding with the money, Ryan's mom actually like posted this Facebook status where she basically said that he never had cancer, um, like he has his own issues, and she like begged fans to stop enabling him by like buying tickets to events that aren't going to happen, or sending him money, buying him merchandise, paying for phone calls that are never going to happen, all of this stuff. So then in September of 2016, he was arrested in South Carolina where he was living on charges of theft of leased property, receiving stolen property, and theft of services, and he was extradited back to Pennsylvania, like where the charges were from. They were like working through that. He posted bail. Obviously, like the legal system takes a while. While all of that was still in motion, he was arrested in April 2017 of charges uh, on charges of assaulting his boyfriend and harassment I guess like assaulting and harassing his boyfriend so not great um it's been reported that he was struggling with addiction um he went to rehab in one this is only on one place that I saw it wasn't really substantiated but I I want to believe this is true um he apparently went to rehab and like as of 2019 has been clean for a year so I really hope that that's true I hope that he's doing well but that is what Ryan has been up to since Paranormal State ended. 
Um, as far as the others, I'll go through it as quickly as possible. There's not a lot for everyone else. Uh, Heather, Heather has um, acted and produced um, a few shorts. She was also a member of the punk musical project known as the Glowworms. Katrina, uh, Katrina later went on to appear on the television show Paranormal Lockdown um, with Ghost Adventures Nick Groff. So like there's some crossover there. She's acted in a few films. She made her debut in Kilimanjaro. I believe that was in 2013. I didn't write that down. Um, and in 2019, she has appeared as a regular on the television show Portals to Hell with Jack Osborne. Her website is also current and up to date. Like she has blog posts from September. She has like upcoming events later this month in October. Um, I always appreciate when someone actually keeps their website up to date because you know if you don't, those blog posts and those like upcoming events will give you away. Elfie. Also, here's a fun fact. Elfie's last name is apparently Music. Elfie Music, which is cool. Sounds like the name of a third generation pagan. Um, Elfie, it seems like she's kind of just like living a normal life. She's active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, her Facebook says that she's married. She, I think that like maybe occasionally she does work with the paranormal or like kind of acts as a paranormal expert on things. The occultist specialist, if you will. But yeah, she's like not involved she hasn't been on any other tv shows or anything which i could i kind of figured as much she didn't ever seem really comfortable on camera and whenever she was speaking on camera her voice lacked like assertion like it just her words were not very uh she lacked confidence i i felt so yeah it makes sense that she's just like kind of doing her own thing being just a normal gal Sergey got married in 2016. Um, he's not really doing much like publicly. Uh, apparently he was also attached to like Ryan's drama. Like he was also a part of the canceled tours. He was apparently living with Ryan until 2016 when they were evicted from their home. Um, there was this big long kind of like word salady, not super cohesive article on paranormalheraldmagazine.wordpress.com uh, so I didn't really read through it extensively but if you feel like looking that up there's some pretty juicy gossip about Sergey and Ryan on there and then I also want to touch on Chip Coffee um, also Chip Coffee was also on this A&E show which I think came after Paranormal State I almost just call that Paranormal Activity which is not the same thing at all he was on the show called psychic kids which i fucking loved like if i liked paranormal state i loved psychic kids i think it's because i myself thought i was a psychic kid like i was convinced i was psychic and i can pinpoint it in my childhood down to two things specifically the first was matilda that movie, I thought that I was going to get those powers too. And I was just waiting for them to come in. But the second thing <laughs> that convinced me that I was psychic. And not that like maybe it doesn't come natural like Matilda. Maybe I just need to put in some hard work and really like bend some spoons. Was the fucking episode of the Pokemon anime with Sabrina, the psychic like gym trainer. <laughs> and she could like bend spoons with her mind and she was like a psychic child. So I like really identified with her. <laughs> so I really liked Psychic Kids with Chip Coffee. Um, obviously he was part of the doomed like conversations with the dead tour in 2014 before he pulled out. 
he spoke to the media. I don't know exactly who he spoke to originally, kind of just talking about what was going on with Ryan's fucked up tour. Um, there was this one kind of interesting quote where he was said that like people said that I threw Ryan under the bus, but Ryan was standing in the like in front of the bus waiting for it to hit him, and I jumped out of the way like any smart person would. Other than that, in October 2013, a chip coffee appeared on the KFXN morning radio show, The Power Trip, um, and the host, Corey Cove, confronted him with skepticism regarding his, like, actual psychic powers, and coffee reportedly stormed out of the studio. So, Chip didn't, uh, didn't take that too well. I also thought this is kind of interesting. Um, in 2014, members of the Bay Area Skeptics Group performed a sting operation at one of his live shows, basically just like planting fake stories about like dead relatives that were not actually real with his staff members. And then he talked about those fake dead relatives on stage, proving that like he, you know, like hot reads his people, does research go- beforehand going into it. What's kind of funny is this is like a little crossover moment for me. I um, am a pretty big fan of this other podcast called Ono, Ross, and Carrie, which is not like it's not really relevant to anything I talk about. So I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on here, but it's like a skeptics podcast. Like it's kind of hard to describe. Like they go into like spirituality and fringe science and like paranormal situations um, with an open mind, but like a scientific mindset. So. They had this interview, I think it was just like a couple of episodes ago, with Susan Gerbic, who is like the main lady at, in the Bay Area Skeptics, I think. She's like one of the main people, and she's like the people who organize the sting operation. So they were talking about a specific sting that they did with a few other psychics, um, or like different things that they'd done in the past on the interview with Ross and Carrie. They didn't mention Chip Coffee's name specifically, because I would have perked the fuck up had I heard that. Um, but it was just like a little crossover here because I was like, oh, Chip, yes, you're not the only one who got hit by those. Um, and then other than that, on October 30th, 2015, he appeared on a two hour special called Exorcism Live on Destination America. So that's kind of cool. And since she was in the episode, I also want to do a Where Are They Now with Lorraine, um, after, she was a part of Paranormal State. She acted on, uh, or she acted as an, I cannot speak. She acted as a consultant on and had a cameo on, or a cameo in, the movie The Conjuring. There we go. But Lorraine died, actually. She passed away this year, April of 2019. So rest in peace, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Frauds or not, you made your impact on the paranormal community in a large way. I'll say that. So in terms of the show, does it hold up slash is it worth a rewatch? It does not hold up <laughs> compared to my memory, but I would say that it's worth a rewatch. Like the production quality is good because it's highly produced. Maybe don't binge it necessarily because it can get a little bit repetitive because like I mentioned, they are pretty good at editing a whole lot of nothing into a little bit of something so once you're watching a lot of that back to back to back it's very obvious like nothing is actually happening but it's still like a fun show it's free on the A&E app so if you have like a cable or satellite subscription you should be able to log in and like watch it um so it's just like I feel like it's a show that like not a lot of people remember like not a lot of people talked about it's not big like ghost adventures or ghost hunters 
but I really, really enjoyed it when it was airing. So I would say go back and give it a watch this Halloween, this this spoopy season. Just, you know, at the very least, do it for Sergei, my love, my boy. <laughs> all right, guys, that is it for this episode. Thank you all for joining me once again. If you like this podcast, please, please, please give it a five-star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google or other places that you can rate things. If you want to type it into Goodreads and pretend that it's a book and give it a rating there, I wouldn't be mad at it. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast, on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod, or my personal Instagram is at really underscore Riley. Or you can send me an email at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.